Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode number 91. <clears throat> this story is entitled The Somerton Man. It's right out of a mystery spy type of novel. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to go through it with you. I actually have an article here about it. On uh, November 30th of 1949, a number of people noticed a man propped up against a concrete wall in Sumter Beach in Adelaide, Australia. His legs were stretched out and his feet were crossed. Well, first of all, that was the second day when they found him. The first day, uh, two couples had walked actually past him, believing that he was maybe drunk or had fallen asleep, so they just left him there. He was actually found the next the next day. Um, a couple of the very odd things about it was that uh, he was well exceptionally well-dressed, exceptionally well-manicured, um, not like an individual you would expect to be stumbling around uh, half-intoxicated on the uh, on a beach or passed out on a beach. Uh, one of the witnesses stated that his, uh, his arm uh, his arm was raised as if he was uh, drunkenly trying to light a cigarette. Another recalls seeing mosquitoes buzzing around his face and thinking he was uh, too drunk to wave them away. Not that that has anything to do with it, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, in this case, there was no obvious cause of death. There was no blunt trauma. Uh, no gunshots, no stab wounds. He was uh, he was clean shaven. Um, you can find pictures of him all over the um, all over the uh, internet. Uh, it just basically goes over some of the clothes that he was wearing: uh, boxer shorts, white shirt. Thin red tie. He wore light brown trousers, a brown sweater, and a uh, double brown uh, breast coat. His shoes were polished. Um, kind of interesting here. I just thought of something that if he had been walking through the sand and hadn't been laid down there by somebody else, his shoes, although polished, would have had a lot of sand on them. So that's maybe something we should keep in mind here. One of his pants pocket was uh, repaired with a uh, an unusual type of orange thread. That's a that's something else to remember because I believe that they had actually found uh, two uh, luggage cases in one of the uh, railway uh, railroad stations. Uh, in the area, and it also contained a uh, spool of that type of thread. Plus, um, during the investigation, they found a rail uh, rail car uh, ticket 
uh, to Henley Beach. Um, so we, we, we're kind of having some things, you know, starting to line up already. Um, let's see, I'm just trying to think of what else they have here. Nothing of any, I mean, they do have some, you know, what was in his pockets and stuff like that. Nothing of really any significance. They believe he was in anywhere from 40 to 50s. Uh, his uh, forearms uh, were tanned, which meant that he was, uh, was probably out there. Maybe he worked outside. Maybe he was outside. They did They did make a note that his, uh, his calves were extremely well-developed, believing that he may have been uh, some type of athlete, dancer, so on and so forth. Um, there was uh, no money, no wallet, or any identifications on him. Uh, they did they did run a fingerprint card. I'm just trying to see if there's a number on it. Um, no, but I do notice on the right. Uh, index finger it will be position 2 of the card that there's some type of uh, area on the fingerprint that looks like it may have either been a scar or some type of injury because the skin is exceptionally flat and it, it, it's absent of uh, any fingerprints, any any print in that area, so that might be something to look at. Um, one of the uh, doctors uh, at the uh, Royal Adelaide Hospital, Dr. John uh, Bennett, estimated that the time of death was about 2 a.m. The pathologist John uh, Dwyer determined that the body had not been moved after death. Okay, but it could have been moved prior to death because, like I said, I have an issue with the shoes being shiny, walking on a beach. Why isn't there sand or or something of that nature on the shoes? Uh, they also uh, uh, pathologist did know notice a couple of irregularities. Man pupils size pupils were small. Uh, that usually indicates some type of uh, illicit sub sub substance or including poison. Uh, he, he also had blood in his stomach, which suggested the wire that the presence of some irritant slash poison. And you have to remember, you know, it, it, it's kind of making sense because think about it. You have this guy really neatly dressed, okay? He's not the average, not dressed up to be on the beach. Um, he's got polished shoes, but he's on the beach in, in a, a half-seated position. However, none of his clothes have sand all over it. So he wasn't stumbling. He wasn't walking around. His shoes didn't walk through the sand because there were no, no indications or no notes made of that. Um, you have to remember, 1948 was right after right after World War II, and there were still a lot of issues going on with 
individuals uh, spying for other countries. Uh, I know something was going on with Russia at the time. Um, and as we get down there a little bit, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. There were no, there was no um, noted. Um, poisoned in his system. However, there is a, uh, there, they do have two listed, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce them, but uh, they do, di once they're swallowed, they dissipate, and there are no traces. So that's, that's something. Um, both the FBI and Scotland Yard uh, attempted to identify this, this individual by using uh, the fingerprints, but, uh, but basically there was no, uh, no, they weren't able to identify him. Sumter, Sumter man had died of heart failure. This could have come up with, well, of course, everybody that dies has heart failure, but um, it may just be a fact that that's what he died from. I mean, you know, he goes, he sits on, near the wall, puts himself up against it, and then, uh, and then he passes away. Uh, his abandoned suitcases, like we had mentioned before, and the the thread used to sew, uh, they were found at the uh, Adelaide uh, Railroad Station. Um, there were there were actually two, and thread sewn in the uh, Sumner man's pants, and some of the clothing label. Uh, the, the thread was the same. Um, there were some labels with the uh, T. Keen, I believe that's probably a last name, or T. Ken, one or the other. Uh, Keen sounds more, seems like the proper spelling, K-E-A-N-E. -E. However, it didn't, uh, didn't lead to any, uh, didn't lead to them finding his identity. Uh, the most baffling clue, however, came several months later. Uh, They, they had checked and they had found a couple months later in his waistband they found a folded piece of paper that read uh, I'll try to pronounce it it's TMM Shud which uh, in Persian uh, it's either it's finished or it's ended that could be a spy thing right there um so it did. It was the type that came from a a book, and it looks like the book was a Persian book. It was a work, a twelfth-century work of poetry. There are a lot of pictures of it um, online. There was an individual who had reported that a book had been thrown through his um, store window. He uh, he brought it to the police station, and believe it or not, they actually found that the missing piece of paper that was in the guy's uh, trousers were the same, the same piece that was missing out of the book, which leads me to a thought here. Maybe the book was thrown through the window by the deceased person because we have a book of poetry, right? 
he's walking down the road something about the book or what what's in the book upsets him he throws it through the window but only after he had taken that one piece of torn that piece of paper out and put it in his waistband it, it's starting to sound honestly more like a suicide than anything else uh, so but another another interesting thing was that there was a uh, there was another piece of paper that was found with him that uh, one two three it had five lines of all mixed up letters it w looks more like something that was a code probably used by somebody that was spying back in the days because it was common spying then was um, a very common thing um, it does have here um, that they had found a uh, phone number in his uh, in his belongings and uh, the number the phone number belonged to a female a young female nurse named Jessica Ellen uh, Thompson who lived by Sumner Beach um, she was hesitant to talk to police and she had admit, admitted giving a copy of of the same book to a man named Alfred Boxall um, they don't really say what happens here but uh, Boxall was eventually tracked down by law enforcement uh, alive so obviously it wasn't him there's also a belief that um, our unidentified male may have been in a relationship with um, Thompson it went sour um, he ingested some type of medication but she was a nurse so at the same time maybe she was able to get that type of medication see where I'm going with this so it's kind of a very fragmented um, fragmented type of uh, you have a lot of possibilities here um, the three lines of coded words have been uh, everybody has attempted to crack them naval intelligence in Australia attempted to crack it weren't able to uh, our victim was finally laid to rest on June 14th of 1949 a, you know about a year after um, according to the coroner he says I am unable to say who the deceased was I am unable to say how the deceased how he died or what was the cause of death well, that's interesting because I'm going on the poison theme. I'm going on a spy poison thing now because of the coded letter, uh, the way he um, hid things in his, you know, in his uh, pants liner, and if there was any other type of cause of death, you know, 
I know they have heart attack listed down, so I'm not taking that out of the equation. Uh, but if we set that aside, the only other way that he could have possibly passed away with no external, internal damage is probably by being poisoned. That would probably be the... Uh, um, my first thoughts on it. There, there were theories that Sumner uh, killed himself after being rejected by the female nurse. Some suggested that uh, Sumner, who had this, the nurse who had a son, uh, there were several similarities, uh, looks, uh, which were identical to uh, our victim. Uh, that seems to be one of the number one things. I, I'm still going on the, the spy, the spy taking the, uh, the poison pill thing. Um, that's what I would think. But I think it was more than that. I think, <clears throat> I think he was poisoned, but I don't think he was. I don't think he ingested the pill himself. I think he was given the pill somewhere. I think because it was, there's there's no evidence of any other type of medical trauma or anything else externally or internally, but again, the, his clothes did not have sand on him, so he wasn't crawling around or rolling around. So I believe he was deceased and then placed there. So they say, well, he hadn't moved from that position, well, obviously he didn't move. He was, he was deceased. He, deceased people just don't get up and run around. Well, not I've ever seen anyway. So it kind of makes sense that back then, you know, a lot of the Australia, um, Great Britain, the U.S., all these countries, we had spies all over the place. And like I said, um, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the things that were going on back then uh, with Russia and all these other countries, uh, we, we had a lot of spies out there. Um, there was a retired Australia uh, police named uh, Gary uh, Feltis. He wrote the only book yet published on the case, and he discovered a witness in '55 who said that they had seen a man, one man carrying another man. There you go, just what I said. That's why there was no, uh, on the night of November 30th, 1949-48. So that would explain why there wasn't any dirt on, um, on his clothing, you know. Um, there's suggestions, well, could it have been a drunk friend helping another drunk friend? No, because we have a dead man there. So, no, and, and why would he carry him there and put him there? Why wouldn't he just carry him to a car, carry him to his house? So that throw that one right out. Uh, it says that uh, could have been involvement in a, a Soviet spy ring. Like I said, spying, yes. Do we know it's Soviet? No. We can assume, but, you know, when we assume, usually that's not what happens. Uh, I looked at some of the things that were in his uh, suitcase. And I have to say, they all look like things that somebody that was a, a spy would a spy would use. Uh, there was a knife and a pair of uh, scissors there that were heavily wrapped in a very thick, thick type of uh, gauze, which 
might easily pass through a metal detector, could be hidden in clothes without puncturing them. And then, but last but not least, uh, in May of 2021, uh, our, our victim's body was like, exhumed and will be tested for DNA. So basically, the DNA will could bring us up to six generations. Um, some walking and talking may find out what the eventual identity of our, our uh, victim is and maybe give us a better insight into what was going on at the time. I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a different time now, but that's how things were back then. So, <clears throat> like I said, this is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode 91. And like I always tell you, if you're in a dark place, just hope nobody props you up on the beach. I will see you the next time in episode number 92.